Chapter Three of Trading Jeff and His Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Lewis, Houston, Texas. Trading Jeff and His Dog by Jim Kilgard. Chapter Three Escape. The jailer tilted his chair, clamped both hands behind his head, and looked steadily at the new arrival. Jeff stood still, sensing something here that had not been evident at first glance. Pop had a kindly face and a weary smile, but were they a mask? After a moment he spoke. What are you doing here, boy? Getting in jail? You're a peddler? I represent Tarrant Enterprises, LTD. Now I have here, whoa, whoa there, I see a lot of peddlers. My knife is all right, my watch is all right, I don't need toothpicks, toothbrushes or anything else, and I haven't any family. How long have you been peddling? Quite a spell. You ever been in trouble before? Jeff said blandly, I've been in jail before. You're just a kid, and I don't like to see kids in trouble, the jailer murmured sadly. How much trouble am I in? You'll be kept till you can be brought before Justice Murphy. He'll fine you five dollars and tell you to get out of town. Can't I see him now? Justice Murphy, Jeller said, has gone fishing. He won't be back for a week. Then I'm to be your guest for a week. Looks that way. Might as well get you checked in. He took a pad of forms from the desk and balanced a pencil. In the proper places, he inscribed Jeff's name, age, the offense with which he was charged, and other pertinent data. He looked closely at what he had written, and from the dark cells in the back came a shouted, Hey, Pop, who's the new tenant? Shut up, Ike. I'll bring him back, Pop. Buck in me'd like to meet him. You two be quiet, Pop reprimanded the prisoner. Then he addressed Jeff. Ike Wilson and Bucky Edwards. They finally got caught. What for? Still in chickens? Jeff looked unbelieving, and the jailer's face became less gentle. For a moment he was almost stern. That's serious. It isn't a light matter, I know. Now why did you look so doubtful? It seems a few chickens are hardly worth a jail sentence. They're not, and neither is anything else. But some people have never learned that. Just happens those boys aren't satisfied with one chicken. They got 3,000 that anybody knows about. Who? They'll pay for it. Now, Jeff, I'll have to take your dog. Jeff sparred for time. He had known other people in similar circumstances whose dog had been taken away and half the time they'd simply disappeared. That they'd sickened and died was the usual story, but actually they'd been destroyed because it was too much trouble to take care of them. Outwardly, Jeff affected an air of supreme indifference. Sure, he agreed. Go ahead. Just be careful. Pal doesn't like a lot of people, and he bites whoever he dislikes. Better be careful he gets his regular feeding every day, too. That's four pounds of the best chuck steak. He hates everybody if he doesn't get it. Yeah? Pop was not at all friendly now. Suppose he gets sick. If I don't get him back and in as good a shape as when he was taken away. I know a couple of good lawyers. Lawyers cost money. 
I have a certain amount of influence. Pop rubbed his chin reflectively and stared at the window. I suppose you could keep him in your cell if you wanted to pay for his board. I might, Jeff said, knowing he had won this round and that his chance shot had hit the bull's eye. Obviously, for reasons of his own, Pop did not care to have any lawyers investigating anything. How good a cell? Pop was all brittle now. If you've been in other cells, you know how good. How old are you? Old enough to land in jail. That tie you're wearing, Pop, it hardly befits the dignity of your position in. I told you not to try to sell anything to me. Maybe, just maybe, we can think up some other charge. We'd buy if we had any money, the man in the back cell yelled. What's your name, peddler? Jeff Tarrant, representing Tarrant Enterprises, LTD. The most quality for the most discriminating people. What's that dis-dingus mean? It means shut up, Hop snarled. You're a smart one, huh? Jeff said meekly. All I know is black from white. I take my pack in the cell too, don't I? No. I know exactly what's in it, Jeff warned. And I know just what to do if even a penny's worth is missing. Maybe I know what to do if nothing's missing. We can get tough too. I want that pack. All right, keep it and come on. Pal stayed very close to Jeff as Pop led them toward the cells. The two chicken thieves came to the front of theirs and clasped the bars with their hands. They were woolly delighted because, in his brush with Jeff, Pop had come off second best. Jeff grinned back at them. Hey, Jeff, got anything to make our happy home happier? Tarrant Enterprises LTD has something for everyone and can please you. Here is a nice hacksaw. I'll take that, Pop said. You'll take it for 39 cents. Hand it over. You'll get it back when you leave. Well, Jeff gave him the hacksaw, and the pair in the adjoining cell roared with laughter. Pop asked, got any more? Unfortunately, the hacksaw department is understocked, and our new order has not arrived. Get in. Pop unlocked a cell, and Jeff and Pal entered. The bars were in front only. The cells were separated by brick walls. Adjusting his eyes to the gloomy interior, Jeff saw two bunks with dirty mattresses suspended by chains that were attached to the wall. There was an iron stand upon which stood a chipped basin and a faded towel. Beneath the stand was a bucket. Pop slammed the door. I sleep in front, he advised. I've got a solid-off shotgun and I know how to use it. Besides, just trying to break out can mean six months in prison. Think it over. Sure, Jeff smiled. Pop strolled back to the desk while the two chicken thieves shouted raunchous insults. Jeff lost himself in thought. The situation had been quite obvious from the moment he entered the jail. A few towns had a full-time jailer for two or three prisoners, unless there were other factors involved. And almost without exception, such factors existed only when there were certain affairs that would not bear close examination. The majority of Crestman citizens probably were honest, hard-working people, but some of its officials were not. The fact that they could be dishonest only because the rest were indifferent to the way their town's affairs were conducted did not change the situation. If he were one of the inside clique, Pop would have a better job, but he evidently knew enough so that he had to be given something in order to prevent his talking. Pop's reaction when Jeff expressed such utter willingness to take the matter up with an attorney 
offered additional proof of this. Jeff let his hand fondle Pal's head as he considered his chances. There was little possibility of breaking out by force, and it would not be a good idea to do so anyway. As things stood, he faced a minor charge. Breaking jail was a major one. It was illegal to keep him confined for seven days without benefit of counsel, but that could be brushed over. They could always claim that they held him on suspicion of some other serious charge. Jeff sighed. He held a club over Cressman. The Cressman held him in jail. He scratched Pal's ears and murmured, Never, never be said that Tarrant Enterprises LTD gave away to despair. What'd you say, Jeff? Ike called. Comfortable home, Jeff answered gaily. Counted the cockroaches in your private suite? Not yet. We got 47, Ike said proudly. One night as big as that dog of yours. What you got in your pack? Candles, Jeff suggested. Law, if Buck and me had any money, we'd buy some. Jeff took three candles, which he bought for a penny and sold for three cents each, from his pocket. He handed two of them and a half dozen matches around the end of his cell. A gift from Tarrant Enterprises, LTD. Thanks, Tarrant, what you call it? We'll pay you as soon as we found us a fortune. I'll count on it, Jeff said. He lighted the third candle, dripped wax from it onto the iron stand, and set it upright in its own drippings. By its flickering light, he examined the cell more closely. It was what he had expected. The floor was dirty, the mattresses only a little less so, and cockroaches scurried for cracks. Jeff let his hand brush Pal's head again. Completely trusting, the dog wagged his tail and shoved his nose against his master's thigh. Dragging the mattress from the top bunk, Jeff laid it on the floor. Conceivably, even a dog would, could protest against sleeping up there. Hunger reminded Jeff that neither he nor Pal had eaten anything since last night. And again he took refuge in the happy thought that first things must be first. He edged up to the bars and said softly, Ike? Yeah. Where's the food come from around here? The garbage can, Ike answered sadly. Anyhow, that's what I think. Can we get any other? If you got money, you can ask Pop. Nothing like trying, Jeff raised his voice. Hey, Pop, what do you want? How about something to eat? It's not lunchtime. How about some anyhow? Got any money? Jeff replied mournfully. A few pennies I've been saving for my old age. I can pay for it. Pop came to the cell. What do you want? Three loaves of bread and three half pounds of cheese. Let's have the money. Uh-huh. Bring it first. Show me the money. Jeff held up two crumbled dollar bills. Pop walked to the entrance, and there came the click of his key turning in the lock. Breathless silence reigned. This was a momentous occasion that must be properly observed. Ten minutes later, the key clicked again, and Pop came in with parcels. Three loaves of bread, he read from a slip, 18 cents. A pound and a half of cheese, 30 cents. And... He looked maliciously at Jeff. Four pounds of the best ground steak for the dog, one dollar. Jeff grinned. His own words had backfired on him. He had intended to give Pal a loaf of bread and a half pound of cheese to offer the same to those in the next cell and to keep as much for himself. But he did not lose his aplomb. Exactly, he exclaimed. Just what I wanted. But I wouldn't think of paying in money when I can offer something of great value. 
now. Give me the money, Pop growled, a dollar and forty-eight cents. Oh, well, if you must be crass, Jeff gave him a dollar and forty-eight cents in change. Give my pals in the next cell a loaf of bread and a pound of cheese. Thanks, Ike said feelingly, and even the silent Bucky mumbled his gratitude. Jeff laid his pack on the lower bunk, put his food on the pack, and made two sandwiches with a half pound of raw ground steak between each. He spread a paper, scooped two pounds of steak upon it, and gave it to Pal. The rest of the steak he passed into the next cell. This, Ike exclaimed, is as good as a hotel. Best grub I ever threw a lip over. Jeff, if ever you want a helping hand, you can count on me and Bucky. I'll remember, Jeff promised. He ate his two sandwiches while Pal licked thoroughly the paper in which the steak had been wrapped. Then he looked up appealingly, and Jeff threw him a quarter loaf of bread. The rest of the food he put in his pack. He heard Ike whispered, Jeff? Jeff went to the front of the cell. Yes? You want to get out of here? I'll make like I'm sick. When that old fool comes in, Bucky and me will grab him and get his keys. We'll give them to you and you can beat it. What about you? Ha! Huh, Ike scoffed. They can't do much more to us than they've already gone to do. Thanks just the same, but we'd better not. You like this hole? No, but there must be a better way. There's none quicker. I know. Thanks anyway. Why don't you two get out? We don't dash, Ike mourned. How do we know when we got Bill Willer's chickens that Bill would call his seven brothers in? They's a settling around the town, just waiting for me and Bucky to break loose, and every one of them with a rifle. When Bucky and me go out of Cressman, we got to go with officers. Jeff chuckled. Too bad, Ike, but I don't want to break jail. The day wore on. Grown accustomed to the candlelight, the cockroaches came out of their cracks and scurried across the floor. This proved vastly intriguing to Pal, who watched them interestingly. He made quick little rushes, but the cockroaches always escaped. Jeff walked restlessly around the small cell. There had to be a way out, because there was a way out of everything, but he could think of nothing. Suddenly inspired, he called, Pop? What? I, I just wanted to see if you were still there. Of course I'm here. Jeff, who had intended to hold a five-dollar bill against the cell bars and indicate that it would be Pops in exchange for freedom, abandoned the plan almost as soon as he conceived it because it was hardly consistent with the business politics of Tarrant Enterprises LTD or with its standards. He must pay for nothing if he could trade, and there had to be something he could trade for release. Bucky said fretfully, Jeff, what do you want? Got anything in that pack of yours that'll help pass time? How about some music? Anything. Jeff took from his pocket a small mouth organ with which he often beguiled the hours. He was happy again and his smile glowed once more. He'd been thinking too hard. If he relaxed with the mouth organ for a little while and cleared his mind, he would get some new ideas. By way of tuning up, he blew a soft note and the cell erupted. Pal, who had been lying quietly on the mattress, leaped to his feet, pointed his head erect, and voiced a weird howl. It was not the cry of a dog, but a banshee shriek, a wailing of lost souls and tortured beings, and it filled the room like a solid substance. Descending on a low moan, it stopped. Pal lifted his lips and snarled fiercely. The two in the next cell gave way to hysterical laughter, and Pop busted from his desk. 
You'll have to keep that dog. He took a step backward as Pyle snarled again. The mouth organ hidden in his hand. Jeff stood innocently. Pop stared. Why does he do that? I don't know. You'll have to keep him quiet. I'll try, Jeff promised. His blue eyes were dancing and his smile broadened. Some dogs were affected by sounds beyond those which normally came to their ears, and Jeff had never decided whether they reacted because certain noises grated harshly on their ears, because some sounds reminded them of a battle or other experience, or if they were merely inclined to be in tune. Obviously, Pal was given to the latter sort of response. Waiting until Pop returned to his desk, Jeff blew the same note as softly. Pal responded with a whole chorus of shrieks that began on a tenor note and ascended to a high soprano. The echoes rolled back from the walls and seemed to bound forward again. It was almost an incredible thing that was promptly repeated when Jeff blew another note. Shut that dog up, Pop shrieked. I'm trying, Jeff said desperately. The door opened. Joe Parker came in. Jeff blew again very softly, and Pal's immediate response filled the room. Their faces angry, Pop and the constable appeared in front of the cell and shouted to make themselves heard. Quiet! What'd you say? Jeff yelled. Quiet! Pal stopped howling, but he stopped so abruptly that the constable still shouted. If you can't make that dog be quiet, I'll take him out of here. Pal voiced a snarl that followed his howling, and both men stepped back. Joe Parker's hand dipped to his gun. You don't have to shout, Jeff soothed. I can hear you, and I wouldn't shoot either. The dog's mine. He can't possibly hurt you, and there are two witnesses who will prove it. Sure thing, Ike agreed happily. Bucky and me are your boys. Make him stop yelling, the constable said. People are standing on the street, wondering who's getting murdered down here. Send them down, Jeff invited. I represent Tarrant Enterprises, LTD, and I might sell. That dog has to stop yelling. Jeff shook a chiding finger at Pal. Stop yelling. Pop and the constable left. Ike and Bucky chuckled. Pal sat down, expectant eyes fixed on the hand that held Jeff's mouth to organ. He knew now where the sound originated, and he was ready the instant Jeff raised his hand. Pop and the constable, and their faces entreating, rather than commanding, came back. Can't you make him shut up? I told him. You heard me tell him. We can't have that noise. Why not? Ike jeered. Does it keep all the workers in the courthouse awake? Judge Carlson's trying to work, the constable said. He'll be working till nine tonight. Thought you said he'd gone fishing, Jeff accused Pop. That's Justice Murphy. He hears all the cases where no more than $50 is involved. Don't make the judge mad, I chorted. What if he gets real upset? Can't you make him shut up, the constable pleaded. I'll try. The two went back to the desk. A match flared there, and an oil lamp cast its yellow glow into the corridor. Apparently night was approaching. The constable left, and Jeff pocketed the mouth organ. Five minutes later, he brought it out again, and once more a pal wrecked the silence. The door burst open, slammed shut, and Pop and the constable stood before Jeff's cell. Joe Parker spoke. How'd you like to get out, peddler? 
I don't know, Jeff said smoothly. I like it here. Now look, why can't you be reasonable? We haven't got much on you, and we're not mad at you. Everybody's going to be plumb out of their minds if that dog howls down here for a whole week. What's your proposition, Jeff said serenely. We'll leave you out, give you and that howling wolf pack ten minutes to get out of town and start looking for you. Jeff hesitated, scenting a trap and guessing that something besides pals howling was involved. Probably Pop had not been reticent about the new prisoner's willingness to consult attorneys. Jeff said finally, and if you catch me, you'll have me for breaking jail, too. The constable retorted grimly, We don't aim to hunt that hard. For a moment, Jeff pondered, as though considering everything seriously. His face was solemn when he looked up. Nope, he said, it's not enough. Ike looked pained. What do you want for getting out of jail? Pop owes me 39 cents for a hacksaw. I'll give the hacksaw back, Pop offered quickly. I don't want it. I want 39 cents. Oh, for Pete's sake. Pop took a purse from his pocket, counted out 39 cents, and passed it through the bars. Jeff pocketed the money. What's the next town? Stay right in the valley, seven miles down. You'll come to Delview. You can't miss. And heaven help Delview if they pick you up. Any other place? North through the mountains, there's Smithville. Better not try it. There's no direct road, and those mountains are plenty rugged. Good town, though, Ike called. That constable in Smithville, he minds his own business most of the time. So does most everybody else. It pays in Smithville. Wild place, huh? Not wild, Ike declared. Just sensible. I'll go to Delview, Jeff decided. That's worse than Cressman, Ike snorted. They jail you there for looking cross-eyed. You got to go now, Joe pointed out. You took Pop's money. Open the cell. Bye, Jeff, Ike called. Me and Bucky may be seeing you. Take care of yourselves. Outside, instead of going to the main street, Jeff slipped behind the courthouse. Two more moving shadows in a place of shadows. He and Pal flittered past a cluster of lilacs and darted to a patch of trees. They threaded their way through the town, always alert and careful. Again, on the outskirts of Cressman, Jeff heaved a sign of relief and walked swiftly down the road. Once more, Pal had saved the day. Apparently, Pop and the constable had wanted only and wholeheartedly to be rid of them. Jeff felt a little saddened. The shiny name of Tarrant Enterprises, LTD, had become a little tarnished in Cressman. The concern had spent money and earned little enough. Jeff was startled by the gruff command. Wait there. He halted. A man stepped out of the shadows, looked closely at him, pointed a sawed-off shotgun at the ground and said, Go ahead. Jeff thought of Ike and Bucky. Probably this man was one of the pickets waiting for them. He recovered his cheer. There were always fresh customers down the road, but they would not be where Jeff had told Joe Parker he intended to seek them. It would be no difficult matter to send a message to Delview and to ask the police there to be alert for a peddler, accompanied by a huge dog. At the first break in the mountains, Jeff left the road and started for the opportunities that must surely await him in Smithville. End of Chapter 3 Recording by Kristen Lewis, Houston, Texas